Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas, and I am glad you are here. Today I am not alone, and I am not on the right side of the microphone. Today I am joined by my wife, Lee, and by um, two servants in our church who've just been a huge help to us behind the scenes, but they're going to be uh, in front of the microphone today, um, Lieb and Stacy Johnson, and we're doing an interview. So, Lieb, with that, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Well, thank you, Justin. Appreciate that. Um, why don't you give us a two-minute introduction to who you are, um, where you were born, where did you go to school, and, and how did you come to the Lord? Well, it's interesting. Our stories just overlap at so many different levels. So Lee and I both went to high school together. Um, we started dating my senior year, her sophomore year. Uh, neither one of us were believers. We, we grew up in Monroe, Louisiana, so Northeast Louisiana. And we both went to a small private school, about a 3A school. We had classes about 25 to 30 students per class. So a relatively small school. Um, and, you know, didn't have any strong Christian friends growing up. Uh, my parents would take us to church. Her parents would take her to church. But um, we just we didn't have anything resembling a personal faith in Christ. Um, and so we started dating, and um, I, I got off into college. And when I got off into college, uh, my life took a real hard left turn towards um, sin, addiction. Uh, and for the most part, you know, I led Lee into that. She was with me throughout that time. And... It was, I uh, see, I was two years into college. This was uh, in the middle of her first, uh, her freshman year. Uh, both of us, the Lord began to work through uh, other people, uh, just began to work on us and draw us to himself. And I've told this story from the pulpit. Um, one of my good friends at the time, he was a, a, a drug dealer, right? But he was still a good friend of mine. And uh, through some circumstances in his life, he he came to know Christ hmm. and he, the, one of the first things he did when he came home um, from this venture out, he came home and he shared the gospel with me hmm. and I was not really pursuing the Lord at all. Some things had happened in my life, but it really hadn't changed my heart towards my sin or towards the Lord. And, and honestly with like a bolt of lightning, God changed my heart. Uh, uh, he opened my, eyes to see my sin. He opened my heart to, to receive his grace and kindness, confessed my sin and repented of my sin and began to walk with Jesus. And, um, and, that, and Lee was with me through that time. So we were dating at that time. And so she could kind of tell you maybe some of her story from her perspective, but, um, but that's really where my life as a believer began. So same story, different perspective. I, um, actually was born in Wisconsin. Go Pat, go. And so, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Those fine words in Texas. <laughs> and Illinois. Right. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was uh, transferred uh, when I was, I guess, just before kindergarten to uh, a place in Louisiana. So that's, I had the privilege of growing up in Louisiana. Like Justin said, we met in high school and um, started dating my sophomore year. Uh, it was probably the end of my senior year is when God opened my eyes to 
just the realization of my sin and mm. his holiness and Amen. that there is a God. And um, went away to college my first semester. And during that time, God was working on Justin. Mm. And um, he was also working on me. He put some people in my life to um, just teach me more about him. During that time period, I repented, came back home to find out what was going on with Justin. And so we just kind of continued on um, in our our new walk. What is that in the background? That was something going <laughs> Sorry, on. Sorry, we'll kitchen. have to edit that out. No, that's all right. It's all good. Part of life. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we he brought us back together and we continued on. Yeah, it, it was interesting how that was working. Lee was in South Alabama, going to the University of South Alabama. I was in North Louisiana. I was going to Louisiana Tech at the time. And um, just to hear her stories and, and she was able to, she had a roommate that um, just was a genuine believer and seeking to follow the Lord and trying to be a good witness to her. And she had never seen anything like that, uh, the sincerity of that and the consistency of that. Um, the genuineness of it was uh, moving to her. Yeah, people I would meet in class, in theater class, or in um, other parts on campus, these are all believers. And this was just a, a new thing for me, like Justin said. Our friends to that point were every bit as worldly as we were. Yeah. <laughs> so the people God put in our lives during that time, it was yeah. pretty special. And for me, it was the, the radical nature of God's saving grace, because my friend that was a dealer that became a believer. He came to my apartment on New Year's Eve. Um, and in my apartment, you know, this was all of my friends, everybody was in the same scene. And so everyone was, um, you know, getting ready to go out and engage in debauchery. And this man that knew every one of us, he walked into my apartment with a Bible in his hand, which was the, the you know, the most oddball thing. And everybody knew him. Everybody was still trying to figure out what was going on with Joel. Joel sat down and he shared the gospel with me. And, and like I said, you know, the Lord changed me, but it was more radical in, in my experience. And for Lee's, it was more of that exemplary bringing her to a knowledge of her sin and her need of Christ. So, but, but this was in parallel, right? When you guys weren't together, was it happening in parallel in your lives? Is that right? Yes. I mean, you were together, but you weren't physically together. Right. Correct. Yeah. It, yeah. God is uh, beautiful in how he weaves his stories together. And Amen. so, and, and I remember when, uh, when Lee came back, she was trying to express to me some of the things that she had been experiencing. And um, it all kind of culminated with, Hey, I need, we need to follow the Lord. You want to, you want to do this with me? You know, do you, are, are you willing to repent of sin with me? And let's, let's go after the, the Lord. And, we didn't know what that meant or what it looked like, but that's when it all started for us. You see, you had to. Yeah. Amen. That's so cool. That's such a great story. I love that. Mm -hmm. Just God is the ultimate project manager, isn't he? His way is perfect. Amen. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for sharing that. So what person or persons were um, most influential in your life and bringing about discipleship and, and helping you kind of uh, coalesce your vision of what a believer should be like? Well, it's hard for me to narrow that down to a handful of people. Yeah. I would have to say the, the single most influential person in my life. Uh, well, mm. I would have to say it's got to be my dad. Um, and 
not that my dad was this, um, you know, pillar of godliness in a way that I'm, I'm, you know, seeing that, but my, my dad was a faithful man. My dad taught me how to respect other people. He, he taught me the value of hard work. I mean, nothing that my dad ever did, did he do it, you know, half-heartedly. And, mm. and so, um, he was very consistent. He was always there. Um, and so when, when I became a believer, I know early on, I struggled with some doctrinal stuff. Uh, there were some, I had some friends that were in, you know, different denominations and, uh, going in different paths. And, uh, it, it was then that, you know, I, I realized something. I remember coming home one day, a friend of mine had told me something, um, and I was just gung ho about this. Like, I'm, I'm going to follow this. I'm going in this direction. This is after I became a, a Christian. And, uh, I sat down and talked with my dad about it and he did something that I'd, I'd never really seen him do. He said, wait a minute, Justin, that's not what the Bible teaches. And so he sat down with me and he opened his Bible and I realized that, um, well, he, he opened his Bible and he showed me where that doctrine was wrong. Right. He taught me from the scriptures and there was just this consistent steadiness to him. Um, but I guess the thing that, that most impressed me about that was my dad turned back to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. um, he said, all right, if, if we're going to try to figure out what's right and what's wrong, let's go back to the Bible. Man, what is the and word? yeah, what does the word say? And so I would say my dad has been, and my mother, I mean, I, there's so many people I couldn't leave them out, but I just remember that, that, that shaped me mm. uh, in one of those first theological crises in my life. My dad said, all right, we want to figure this out. Let's go to the word. Yeah. And uh, so that, that'd have to be one of, one of the, one of the major influences. Mm -hmm. I've got others, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to pinpoint just one person or, or even a few. Uh, God's just been so faithful to put people in my life in the different seasons I've been in and the different Amen. places we've been just to um, speak into me. He's, he's been re really faithful in doing that. I guess if I had to get all cheesy on me, uh, pick one person, it, it would be Justin. Um, he's, mm -hmm. he's been the one to lead me mm -hmm. for more than half my life. Now we started mm -hmm. dating when I was 15, 15 yeah. and so, um, he, God has used him in so many ways to, uh, just lead me into sanctification and point me to him. Amen. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. 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 He's pretty well, <laughs> I like them. <laughs> I, I would, I, well, I'm, I'm thankful for that, but I, I would want to ping back and simply say, God has been so gracious to us to put people in our lives, especially to me, to put people in my life who guided and shaped me. I, I never had anybody really, you know, engage with me in a a formal discipleship track or plan. I just kind of leached off of other people along mm -hmm. the way as I could. And thankfully God gave me some really amazing people to, to help me in that. My first pastor, when I became a believer, uh, name was Bill Robertson. He passed away unexpectedly uh, just a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was the first person I had ever seen handle the word of God with an intention to teach it verse by verse expositionally. Mm -hmm. And as a new believer, pretty heady guy, I mean, I want to think deeply about things. That was just so formative in my early life. I couldn't imagine preaching any other way uh -huh. than let's open the Bible, read the text, and then explain it and apply it. 
and try to illustrate it if you can, but you know, do those things. And yeah. so brother Bill was a huge influence on me. Hmm. Um, I had a, I had a pastor when I was in seminary who was in, in every sense of the word, a great teacher, but he was also just an, a phenomenal pastor. Mm -hmm. And he was the kind of guy that would sit across from me and say, you know, if you go down this path, you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. So I, I would recommend you go in this path. And he did that to me. I was two years into seminary and I felt like I had enough, you know, under my belt. I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go pastor a church. I don't need to finish this degree. And he looked me in the eye across from his desk and said, Justin, if you leave right now, you're going to ruin churches. You're not ready. <laughs> wow. You're just not ready. Wow. And I loved the man. I respected the man so much that his words just really, yeah. they didn't offend me. Yeah, it was all in love. It, it was, okay, if he believes this is true, then I'm missing something. I need mm -hmm. to reevaluate this. And, uh, you know, my, my first pastor that I served with full time, Joey Thompson, back in Alabama, he was the, probably one of the deepest and clearest thinkers I've ever been around. So I've just had men in my mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. that have been so helpful. And then God brought me here to Cornerstone and I get Mark Ritchie and Dan Truitt. Yeah. I mean, my word, these men have had such, such an influence on my heart and on my, my views of the church and on my understanding of ministry. So I've just been blessed and yeah. blessed. I mean, as we sit here, I mean, just faces and names just come to mind, just of people who, um, who God has used. I had a, a great relationship with my grandmother growing up, um, just as someone who I shared the gospel with many times after becoming a believer, uh, whether or not she uh, accepted the Lord. That's something I don't know, but I, I can definitely trust him. But his mercy, even in those kind of relationships, are, are pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. um, my mom, as someone who has always taught me right from wrong and turning the other cheek and um, just wanting to do what's best, always being there for me, that, mm -hmm. that, that's definitely been a rock in my life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, people... Um, in Alabama, you say that. I think of Miss Beverly, and I think of Wanda. And yeah, think, we've, I mean, we've just been surrounded by godly people, mm -hmm. mature Christians, yeah. people who love the Lord, love the church, yeah. mm -hmm. and for one reason or another, they loved us and just poured into us as much as you know they could in the time that we were there. So, yeah. we've if if we have anything to give to others, it's definitely the overflow of God's grace being shown to us. Sure, yeah, so cool. That's awesome. I love that. So what is something that your best friends know about you? But a lot of people in the church may not. What do you like to read? I mean, I, we know that you guys are readers. Uh, are you closet food critics? Are you gamers? What, what do you do for fun? Uh, what is something about you that people might not know? Oh, man. I'm a pretty boring guy. What about you, babe? <laughs> <laughs> I would never say that about you. Um, I don't know. The only thing I could think of, I guess, would be that I uh, am that mom. I absolutely love taxiing, taxi driving my kids around. Oh, yeah. I love... Mom. Yes, sitting at the ball field for hours on end, watching she does. Little League, and uh, yeah. I She's really bummed right now that our boys aren't playing baseball. Yes. And she's said that multiple times. She said 
Really? <laughs> you yeah. mean sitting out at the ballpark for hours on end in the heat? And yes. uh, no, I mean I. Yeah, I love that about you. You you're very supportive. The She's obnoxious mom in the stands. Get him. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, just okay. going all the way back to when we were dating and talking about, um, you know, being serious and what we're going to be when we grow up and what do we want to do. I mean, family was always what Lee wanted. Um, to be a wife, to be a mother, that was that was always there. It's one of the things that just really drew me to her. Um, is that she, she knew what she wanted and I wanted the same thing. I wanted the family as well, but yeah, she's a, she's a great mom Yes, and loves all the little things that go along with it. That's true. It's mm. true. Um, about me, I, I guess. <laughs> it's true that I love all the things that go along with it. Not that I'm really great mom. <laughs> More about myself. Yeah. Oh my word. That's going to sound awful. Um, no, in terms of things that people might not know about me. Um, so my life growing up, it was, I mean, I grew up in Louisiana, so hunting, fishing, it was a common thing. Um, that what you see on, if you've ever seen the duck dynasty thing. So I grew up in what in Monroe, Louisiana, there in West Monroe, Louisiana, but that uh, there are varying degrees of redneck and I fit in there at some level. <laughs> But I will say that I guess the first like 18 to 19 years of my life were really governed by sports and I loved every minute of it. I love it with my, my sons and my daughter. So I'm right there with Lee when it comes to wanting to be involved in sports. I, um, I just played as, as soon as I could walk and run, dad rolled a ball to me. Mm -hmm. And so I was always playing basketball, baseball, football, running track when I got into high school and, um, I would say one of the one of the things that turned my life in the the wrong direction was when sports was taken away from me after high school. Mm. I just didn't really know what to do with myself. It was so much of my identity That's a huge yeah. as a yeah. yeah. So just always athletic and always involved in something. Went from one sport to the next, and in between, my parents would put me into gymnastics and things like that just to keep me busy and active. <laughs> we got to get that boy something yeah. to do. <laughs> and pretty much. Uh, if I wasn't hunting or playing a sport, I was in gymnastics. But, you know, when, when I was a, in college, uh, that was my direction. I, I went into kinesiology, was planning to get a degree and then go on to PT school and then uh, work in sports rehab. I just wanted to be around sports. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so to this day, I love it. Uh, I love coach. I've coached all of our kids and still love to do that. Um, I coach the kids out in the, in the street out in our neighborhood. And yeah. um, just, that's just something that my, my brain works in, uh, in offensive formations in football. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just how things work for me. And I have to be very careful not to bring those illustrations into my sermons because I don't know that most people will catch that, but um, that's something that maybe everybody except for my friends know about me. <laughs> that's awesome. So now do you watch sports as well quite a bit or? Not as much as I used to. Um, I, I used to be real big into it, but now I, I enjoy watching um, certain things. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of any team. I'm a, I'm a Packers fan. It's, it's a family thing now. Uh, but I just like watching good games. You know, right. I, I just want to see how, how it's going to work. I like the strategy behind it more than anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So cool. Awesome. So uh, how about books? I, and I know 
I know asking you to pick like three books that you're like three most influential books in your life is probably, I'm guessing you've read hundreds of books, but can you, you think you can narrow it down to three uh, in addition to the Bible? Oh, three books. Well, in addition to the Bible, that's key, right? It has to be. Right. Because that's, you know, my Bible's never very far from me. Um, and and of, of the books that I read, most influential, whew, I would have to say, I'd have to pick something by Piper. Um, probably, I remember early on in my, in my walk with the Lord, my pastor, Bill Robertson, I mentioned him earlier. My pastor was a big John MacArthur fan and a big Piper fan and big fan of the Puritans. And um, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy reading MacArthur back then as much as I did Piper. I, something about the way he turned phrases just really stuck with me. Yeah. And, and I remember, I mean, I had some of his devotions that I was reading. I remember reading Desiring God, and that was a, uh, a very formative book. But I, I want to say, as a young college student, new to the faith, Don't Waste Your Life was mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. Um, so I still recommend that book to a lot of young people. It, it got me thinking about philosophy and the, the role of philosophy in, in our lives. It got me thinking about theology on a deeper, more practical level. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that book, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper, really spoke well to me and motivated me in, in particular direction. So I would have to say, if I had to pick something by Piper, that's definitely not his flagship work, but it was certainly influential. Yeah. Um, right. Outside right of, time. yeah, exactly. Right book, right time. Um, I don't know. You want to jump in and I'll well, go back and forth? Yeah, I can. Um, yeah, I definitely would have to agree with Piper recommendations. Um, I don't know. What do you think about uh, Pilgrim's Progress? Read that oh, yeah. many, many. I've read times. that dozens of times. And to our kids. Yeah, that's definitely a been helpful. Picture. If we're going to go with fiction, though, I would have to personally. I would have to go with something like Lord of the Rings. Yes, you read that like seventeen times. I'm still reading around. that. I, <laughs> so, well, I love the story. I love the the depth to that story. Um, I was, you can know, I confess something to go you? ahead. I still yeah. can't get through Lord of the Rings. I can't. Yeah. Do it. it's, it's not for everyone. <laughs> it should be singing. It's like, it I should know. be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a musical in my Lord of the Rings. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that book for me, I had never been a huge reader before. Honestly, before I became a believer, I, I read what I had to for school. Right. I read a few books that I really enjoyed, but I, I never read for the purpose of, you know, edification and growth and maturity and sanctification. But I started reading and uh, Lord of the Rings came into my life at a time when I, I really needed story. Yeah, I, I needed. Um, unplug. Well, yeah, I needed to unplug from all of the theology I was reading, but I also just, I needed something that kind of pulled it all together. Mm. And I won't say that the Lord of the Rings gave me certain insights into life, but what it did was it gave me an appreciation for story mm. uh, and depth of story and nuances and characters going in and out. And honestly, it's, it's shaped my style of preaching. Mm. Uh, I, I've said this before. I tend to look at a sermon like a story. Mm. Um, the, the introduction is kind of our, our working our way into this whole new world that we're going to explore over the next five, 10 verses. And, and in the middle, there's the, there's the players and there's the plot and there's the climax. And, and then in the end, we kind of work our way back out of the story, but we tie it up. And, and I think 
that that book has been influential for me just to appreciate story. Um, so, I, and I'm, I still read it. I'm still reading it. I'm reading it right now. Um, in terms of a work of theology though, one book I come back to over and over and over again is a book by Graham Goldsworthy. The title of the book is According to Plan. It's an introduction to biblical theology. Hmm. That book came into my life at a time when I needed to understand some things about how the Bible fit together as a unified story. Hmm. And I've recommended it many, many times over the years, and I've reread it several times. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, According to Plan by Graham Goldsworthy. And there's, there's a whole lot of books you can read on biblical theology. Biblical theology tries to find a unifying theme to all of Scripture. And prior to that, to me, the Bible was just disconnected. It, it, some of the stories didn't fit and flow all that well together. Mm. And that book gave me a framework to see how there was a thread weaving through all of that. And it was working toward a goal and an end. So that book was huge. So I would have to say those three for me would be the most influential. Yeah. Even though, yeah, you're right. I believe I've, I've read plenty. Uh, those have just had a, a lasting impact on my thinking. We need one more from me. Anything else from you? Um, well, so I have an education background. Mm -hmm. And um, so I guess maybe going down that path a little bit, a book that changed my thinking on how to educate our children would be um, Kingdom Education by... Schultz, I think is his last name. Um, I, I just remember the early days in college, I was for sure going to send my kids to public school because that's how I was raised and that's, that's right. what we did. And, you know, there's value in that. I'm not knocking public school by any stretch, but um, over the years, Glenn Schultz, that's his name, um, uh, just kind of again with people in my life and then through this work and just realizing that there's more to education than education. There's, there's discipleship and a lot of this rests on the parents. And anyway, a lot of that came out of that book. We've been on our own education journey over the years. And, and so that book was definitely helpful mm. to us, yeah. to me. Yeah. That's good. Cool. So how about what you're actively reading right now? What's on your nightstand? Actually, I'd like to ask, just out of curiosity, how many books are on your nightstand right now? How big is the stack on your nightstand? <laughs> uh, we cheat. It's a Kindle. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, Kindle. So, um, the, the books I'm actively reading right now, I've got about five books that I'm reading on Galatians. Um, I'm reading a book. Well, I'm actually reading one of the Cornerstone books. I'm rereading The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. Mm which is such a helpful book, such a challenging book. Yeah. Um, I, I've appreciated Rosaria for just her story and the way that God has worked in her life. But um, that book, trying to unpack what, what does, you know, neighboring ministry look like? What does it mean to love your neighbors? So helpful and incredibly challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll just, I'll kind of out myself here. I'm reading the Lord of the Rings again. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've read those books, but I just kind of cycle through it. It's, um, I just love losing my, myself in the story and uh, learning new things and seeing depth to it. It's just, it's just a, a comfort to my, my heart in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. 
So those are the things I'm reading. I've got one that I'm, I'm looking forward to reading with the elders called Shepherd Leader, which is just about how to, how to grow. Well, it's about pastoring. It's about what does mm-hmm. pastoral ministry really look like mm-hmm. beyond the pulpit. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You took mine. I'm also reading Rosario Butterfield's. Yeah. That's one of our books. Of the house key. Yeah. That's one of our lists, uh, the six book, uh, look books for the year, right? For the church. Yeah. Yeah. So that's for uh, March and April. We're reading that one. Uh, we'll move on to what's the difference by Piper in the next two months. So. Cool. Okay. Very cool. Okay. Just curious. Have you ever read the Silmarillion? Oh yeah. Multiple times. <laughs> Total nerd. Really, <laughs> really. You are, you are hardcore. That's for sure. We heard how you, you heard how you came to the Lord and how the Lord clearly drew you guys together and had a plan and put you on a path. Um, what was your trajectory into pastoring and, and, and ministry? That's a good question. Um, so when, when I first became a believer, well, when, when we started walking with the Lord, uh, we obviously in the, the circle of friends that we had, uh, we shared the gospel with them. They, they were very well aware of what was going on in our lives. And, um, but it was clear to us that we couldn't stay in that, you know, running in those circles. And so we, we got involved in the church really quickly, really early on. And um, I just wanted to serve. I just wanted to be involved. I wanted to do something. I, I didn't so want to excited. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to sit on my hands. That's kind of how I always felt. Um, if I'm not in ministries, I'm just sitting on my hands. I'm just doing nothing. So I remember going to church and um, after asking a bunch of questions on a Wednesday night discipleship deal, my, my pastor said, hey, why don't you go out and help the youth? And so <laughs> uh, I went to the youth building and there was, you know, a youth group of about 80 kids. It was a pretty conventional youth group. And I got to know the youth pastor and just got plugged in there. Um, sharing my testimony at, at youth events, um, just kind of a, an intern, if you will, just helping out and leading worship. Um, I was filling in for Sunday school classes and then finally, you know, got asked to, to preach a couple of times and um, really just loved the whole process of that. And um, in, in doing that, began to see from other people, well, I guess uh, other people in the congregation began to affirm a gifting mm-hmm. in me which was huge for me. I, I didn't really understand how that would work, but um, it wasn't that I just chose ministry. I just wanted to be serving. I wanted to be sharing what I was learning with others. And, and in the process of doing that, um, other people in the congregation began to recognize that and encourage me in that. And at the same time, I'm praying, you know, God help me know what you want me to do with my life. And I was doing that because my mother was a, a, a woman of prayer. And she said, Justin, you need to be praying about this. And, Amen. So I just committed to praying for that. And it just seemed like every time I prayed, the Lord laid very heavily on my heart or every time I opened the scriptures in conjunction with that prayer, it was very clear in the scriptures that ministry was the avenue that I needed to be spending my energy and time on. And uh, even, even some of the devotion, the devotional reading I was doing at the time was guiding me in that direction. So it was kind of a, a full, full court blitz. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> mixing metaphors there, but full court the, press, the, yeah. the full the full full court press from the Lord was on, and and ministry was just the thing I was doing, the thing I wanted to do, and the thing that others were, you know, really urging me to do, and mm-hmm. so that's how I got into ministry. Um, and I I remember I was probably a believer about six months before I, you know, told the church, hey, I'm I'm going to surrender to what I believe is God's call on my life to go into full time ministry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And how, how did you feel about that, Lee, when, when Justin was, you know, clearly his heart was grooved to run on the rail of ministry, but how did you feel about that when, when that kind of became a revelation that was your life? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was excited. I, I just wanted to serve too. That was something we both definitely shared together. Um, admittedly, I was very young and naive and didn't know what that meant, you know? Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. let's go into ministry together. And so, <laughs> uh, why not? And and so we, I think both of us were maybe a not knowing exactly what that entailed, where we would end up, what we'd be doing, but we, we both were pretty excited about. Yeah, we didn't really have the resources to count the cost of that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we knew, I knew enough that, at the time that this was going to be a pretty difficult road. I remember when I proposed mm -hmm. to Lee, I asked her, you know, are you willing to, because at the time I thought I was, I had applied for a seminary out in California and I said, are you willing to go to California with me? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, are you willing to, to go and minister in Africa? If that's where the Lord calls us. And she said, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we probably had more, more faith than sense at that time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a bad thing sometimes. <laughs> yeah, man. Great. That's funny. So yeah, we've. Uh, as a matter of fact, the was it the first church you preached at? Um, had you already surrendered to a calling at that point? I think yeah. You had, yeah. Was this precious, just tiny little church out in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. And uh, we he puts on his best. He has a suit on, and oh, we go so out funny. there, and there were. How many people would you say are there? Yeah, there are probably a dozen. Less than twenty, yeah. <laughs> probably a dozen people. So this was this was common in in North Louisiana. There were a lot of little rural churches out in the middle of nowhere because it's still largely farming land in North Louisiana. And when I surrendered to ministry, my pastor said, "All right, well, if you're going to be a pastor, you need to learn how to preach." So get your sermons ready and I'm going to put you on this list. And when the time comes, you're going to go out yeah. to these churches and preach. It's like, okay. And so my dad bought me a brand new suit. And so I had my suit and I had my sermon. I had my big John MacArthur study Bible with me. And um, my, my uh, girlfriend at the time, Lee goes with me, my mom and dad go with me. And, and we made up about a third of the. <laughs> but they came walking down the center aisle. Oh, probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, with a can of Lysol just spraying it in the air, apologizing to us because the skunk got in the building again. <laughs> That's awesome. Sweet, yeah, sweet people. They asked me that morning, they told me that the, the Sunday school teacher didn't show up. Would you like to teach a Sunday school class? And I said, well, I, I just really don't believe I'm prepared to do that, but I'd be glad to preach the sermon. He said, okay, well, then we'll just go right on into that. And so... A uh, music minister walked in, picked up a hymnal, picked three or four hymns. We sang those, and then I stood up and preached. And Wow. Um, yeah, that was that was the first experience preaching outside of my church context. But God gave me many more opportunities. Not not all of them quite as memorable as that one. Skunk! <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what it was? Yes, Galatians 5, 1 through 4, okay. on the freedom we have in Christ. Mm. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Therefore, do not, um, what is it? Do not go back into a yoke of slavery. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Yeah, I remember that text. 
So we're about to tread some fairly common ground for you then, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> I, ought to, I ought to pull that old sermon out. I, I probably have it somewhere. Probably pull it out and look at it. That's fun. See how it would change it from this perspective. <laughs> well, there's so much you guys are doing for the, for the fellowship and for your family and just um, for all the ways that you guys minister. What are, what are the things that really energize and, and excite you? And, and then what are the things that burden your heart and, and, and are challenges for you? in ministry energize <laughs> well um i get really excited about every july <laughs> when it's time to do our big vbs event every year mm-hmm. and uh, something that um i've always just loved doing um it's definitely uh, it also, I guess, would, what was your second question? What, what, Challenge what, what, me, be most challenging also. There are definitely moments in preparing for VBS that I think, oh, dear, this is not going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> or please let this work out. And, uh, especially when it comes to making a schedule every year. So that's just mm-hmm. a minor miracle every year that a schedule is made. But uh, That's definitely one of my, my favorite things is, is teaching the children about mm-hmm. Jesus. I love that ministry because you you're able to bring in pretty much every demographic in the church, right? I mean, you've got, you know, mature men and women who've been walking with the Lord for years and you've got young people who are serving in in certain capacities and you've got even teenagers who've aged out who are helping and then they're, you're teaching the kids. I love the fact that it's just every demographic in the church. It is exciting. We've been in situations where I think, a lot of times we're begging people to get involved in. And that's just something that's been so sweet here is, is like you said, so many people want to be involved in this mm-hmm. that um, I will never say we have too many volunteers because I don't think that's a thing, but <laughs> there's just an abundance of yeah. people who want to pour into this. So it's, yeah, it's great. That's awesome. Um, so I got to ask the answer the same question. I, I, I guess the thing that energizes me the most or um, kind of the things I enjoy the most that bring energy into ministry for me would be, it's always been ministering to discipling young men. Mm. Uh, I mean, I love to preach. Don't get me wrong. I love what God allows me to do and what this church allows me to do. Um, I love, I just like being around people, but specifically you know, I mentioned earlier, I didn't have anybody to, to go through formal discipleship with me. Mm-hmm. And when I got into ministry and kind of felt like I, I knew what I was doing, I knew what track that should look like or what that track should look like to prepare young men. Um, I just never feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing if I'm not there. If I don't have a group of young men around me and we're going through scripture, we're reading good books together and mm-hmm. sharing life and sharing meals and prayer and those kind of things. So that's the thing that I just, I really look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gain energy from that. It doesn't take energy away from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing that is probably the most uh, energy draining thing for me would have to be, um, it would have to be, you know, just counseling in difficult, in difficult mm-hmm. situations. Right. Um, I hurt. Well, I mean, this is true for all of us as believers. If you have a, a good friend in the church that's hurting, I mean, you just hurt for them. Wow. And, um, but I, I do think there's something added to that 
when, when you're the pastor, mm. when you're, when you're an elder and you're, you're going to answer for how you shepherd these people. Yeah. Amen. Uh, because there are times where people just disagree. They just think, you know what, that's, that's not how we need to do this. We don't need to handle it that way. Mm. And we we're convinced as elders, no, this is really the truth this is what the scriptures are teaching us. And, and that's just, that's burdensome. Mm. Um, or when, you know, counseling someone in, in a church discipline, situation that that has been i mean those are the times where you know stress and not sleeping and not eating right and just it just skews the whole of life for that and you know ministry is one of those jobs where you can't turn it off when you leave the office right it's with you yeah there's and so i would have to say that that's you know sometimes counseling is one of the most rewarding things when when you're helping people that are struggling and, and they grasp some of those truths and, and begin to walk in them. But when counseling becomes difficult, mm-hmm. uh, when families aren't willing to receive or individuals aren't willing to receive counsel for one reason or another, or you're going through some kind of a church discipline, a disciplinary process in counseling, those are absolutely the most exhausting and difficult. Yeah. 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 yeah I would say that just to kind of go with that, we're both, um, fix it type people right we want to if we hear there's something that is you're maybe struggling with or is bothering you we want to help we want you know to fix it and unfortunately we can't fix everything right we not in our own lives not in our kids lives not in other people's lives um that's why we trust and rely on the lord for that but it's definitely draining at times right yeah 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 Wow. Yeah, I think that was one of the first, the first one of the first Sundays that we came to Cornerstone to visit a couple of years ago, and stayed for the member meeting. There, there was a, there was a church disciplinary thing that, that was going on. That was, it was, it was clear that it was breaking the heart of the elders to have mm-hmm. to go through this. And there it wasn't something that was taken lightly. It was something that was, they had pressed and pressed and pressed to try to restore, to try to restore, to try to restore, and this brokenness of when Dan got up to speak about, you know, having to go through this disciplinary action was just, it was clear. There was no flippant attitude about it. It was, it was a heaviness of, this is just the right thing that we have to do. And so, yeah, I get get that. That's, that is, that is the the heavy as the head that bears the mantle of leadership. Right. So, you know, well, I begin to see something of what Paul, you know, in, in Paul's explanation to the church at Corinth about all of his suffering, which is, you know, being shipwrecked and being stoned and being whipped and all of these different things. And then at the end of that, he says, and then on top of all that, I have the burden of all the churches. Mm. And I know part of what he means, just a very small part of what he means when he says the burden of the church, because it is, we grieve over sin in the body. We grieve over sin that brings us to the point of confront confrontation. And we grieve deeply over the sin that would separate someone out from us. Mm. Because when you're doing that, you're basically saying, whether you're a Christian or not, you're, you're not living like one. You're not acting like one. You're not responding like one. And so we have every indication right now to assume that you're not part of the faith. Mm. And for us to, I mean, that's one of those, one of those things that I rely so heavily on uh, Dan and Mark. They're so helpful. They're so patient. Good brothers. Um, but at the same time, persistently saying, no, this is what Christ has called us to do. 
Mm. So let's be faithful to the Lord and trust him with the results. And, but yeah, definitely, definitely a grievous process that is exhausting in every capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But a necessary process. Yes. Amen. And ultimately life giving, right? The Lord wants to restore, right? He chastises every son he loves. So yeah. Amen. Well, so grateful for this time with you guys. Uh, one last question for you. Um, when you're gone, and when I say gone, I mean gone to be with the Lord, and, and you get to hear that well done and enter into the rest you know, that we, we all hope to hear. Um, what is it that you want people to say about you when you're gone? What, what's, your, what's the one-liner about, you know, Lee was this, uh, Justin was this? Um, I guess I, I want people to remember me as someone who loved the Lord and loved mm-hmm. your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, I guess when it when it comes down to the the simple basic, what do I want my wife my life to stand for? Mm-hmm. Um, I you know whether it's my kids or my neighbors or church members or, or whatever, I would I would want them to be able to say without hesitation. This man loved the gospel and wanted us to love the gospel. Mm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. That's a good word. That is a good close too. So, we're so grateful for you guys taking time to talk to us. And 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 I know that there are people that are going to be listening to this podcast that are going to be um, genuinely ministered to hear your heart, which which we have come to know over the last few years is genuine humility and mm-hmm. and and desire to serve the body and and. Uh, have never seen anything other than that. So you have a huge amount of respect in the body of Christ. And we are, we are grateful for you. So uh, I will speak, I'll, I'll be presumptuous and speak for the people listening to this podcast who know you and say it's, it has thus far been a pleasure. And we look forward to the years if the Lord tarries uh, to continue to walk with you. So thank you for taking time to speak with us. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for those kind words, brother. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, man. So I'm going to kind of toss it back to you to do your traditional end of the podcast uh, um, uh, wrap up. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening. I hope that this has been helpful and encouraging uh, and meaningful for you as a listener. If you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at cbcwiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Cornerstone Wiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thanks again for listening.